0: When we're under pressure, one of the things that we love to do is to behave badly. In fact, sometimes, even when we're not under pressure, we still want to behave badly. And don't we just find it so easy to rationalise, to justify that bad behaviour? The problem is that behaving badly, well, it tends to end badly as well. And welcome again to the program as today we take a look at the boundaries you set around your behaviour from a different perspective. And do stay tuned because in just a few minutes I'll be telling you about the powerful prayer that could be coming your way to help you through whatever you happen to be dealing with in your life just at the moment. Whether we realise it or not, whether we like it or not, there are some boundaries that have been set for us around our behaviour. It all started when we were children. When we did something wrong and our parents said no and we continued doing it, we'd get a slap on the wrist or around the legs or on the bottom. Mum and Dad were setting boundaries on our behaviours. And in fact, the parents who don't set those boundaries and enforce them are the ones who end up with delinquent teenagers more often than not. And those delinquent teenagers, many of them, end up growing up into delinquent adults. So, boundary setting begins, or it should begin, early in our lives. Sadly, some parents are savage in the boundaries they set. There's a harshness which ends up damaging the child, something that can, in some cases, stray into the area of abuse, mental, emotional and physical. The point is that when it comes to setting boundaries around a behaviour, both too little and too much are not a good thing. The answer lies somewhere in the middle. And the same flows through into our adult lives. None of us would like to live in a lawless society where there aren't any boundaries on people's behaviours, because that sort of anarchy is simply dangerous. Whilst at the other end of the scale, none of us would want to live under a brutal despotic dictatorship either, and there are plenty of those left in this world today. What we're looking for is a society that's governed by the rule of law, whilst at the same time preserving individual freedoms. That's the balance. And it's that very same balance that you and I should be looking for when we're thinking about setting boundaries on our own personal behavior. But that's not so easy in this day and age because we live in a time where people believe that if it feels good, hey, you should do it. And so people have latched onto that and they're living that. Don't worry that divorce rates and suicide rates are skyrocketing. Don't worry that the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. Don't worry that the excessive lifestyles that we're seeking to live out are leaving us with a a deep emptiness inside. No, if it feels good, do it. I live not far from an inner-city hospital, a very good hospital in fact, but each Friday and Saturday night, the emergency department is jam-packed full of people affected by alcohol fueled violence. Sure, if it feels good, do it! Well, maybe you don't get out and get drunk every weekend. Maybe you're not at the point of divorce or suicide. But still, the excesses of our behaviour can have a detrimental effect on our lives. As I said yesterday on the program, lies are always presented to us as being something attractive and something seductive. And the lie that if it feels good we should do it is just that. It's an attractive, seductive lie. But when you spend a bit of time listening to God through his word, the Bible, his love letter to you and me, you discover one of the things he urges us to do is to show some self-control. The book of Titus in the New Testament, chapter 2, verses 2 to 8. Have a listen. Tell the older men to be temperate, serious, prudent, and sound in faith, in love, and endurance. Likewise, tell the older women to be reverent in their behavior, not to be slanderers or slaves to drink. They are to teach what is good, so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be self-controlled, chaste, good managers of the household, kind, being submissive to their husbands, so that the word of God may not be discredited. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourselves in all respects as a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, gravity, and sound speech that cannot be censured. Then any opponent will be put to shame, having nothing evil to say of you. Now at first, that may all appear just a little bit old-fashioned, a quaint notion from a slower world that existed 2,000 years ago. But just listen to the wisdom of that. Imagine a society where the older men are great leaders, where the older women teach the younger folk to love each other, where the older men teach the younger men to be self-controlled, to show respect, to have integrity and character of substance. Just imagine a society like that. What would it look like? Now, let's bring all that back to you and me. Let's bring that back to our behaviours. We've been talking this week about learning to set boundaries, boundaries around our hearts, around our minds, a boundary around the truth that we all believe. All those are important, as is the need to set some boundaries around our behaviours. Of course, what we say and what we do is a consequence of what's going on in our hearts. That's what Jesus said, Matthew chapter 15, verses 17 to 19. You not see that whatever goes into your mouth enters your stomach and goes out into the sewer, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this is what defiles. For out of the heart come evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. And the way that we guard against those things, the Bible says, is self-control. Now, the thing with self-control is that it's not a particularly fun thing to have to exercise because you're talking here about putting boundaries around your behaviour. And we each have some Achilles heel here. We each have that one thing that just sets us off. Maybe it's grumbling and complaining. Maybe it's passive-aggressive behaviour. Maybe it's lying or undermining or gossip or anger. For me, it was always anger. That might surprise you, but I think quickly, I move quickly, I act quickly. That's how I get lots of things done in my day. But the underbelly of that is impatience and anger. You get annoyed with people who don't match up to your speed and stamina and standards. And so in my walk with the Lord, I've had to learn to zip my lip, to shut up when something or someone doesn't suit me, to be patient. And that, I have to tell you, has not been easy and it still isn't. But unless I learn to exercise self-control, what good am I as a minister of the gospel? Unless I show the same patience and gentleness and grace and mercy that God showed me through Jesus on that cross, how can I say I believe in Jesus? And the same is true of you. Have a listen. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 4-8. to 8. Thus he has given us, through these things, his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may escape from the corruption that is in the world because of lust, and may become participants of the divine nature. For this very reason, you must make every effort to support your faith with goodness, and goodness with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with endurance, and endurance with godliness, and godliness with mutual affection, and mutual affection with love. For if these things are yours and are increasing among you, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You read that. And you realise just how right God is in all of this. How how important this boundary of self-control is around our behaviour. So allow me to bring you back to your Achilles heel. Whatever it is, you you know what it is. Today is the day where you decide to begin to work at this self-control thing. No, it won't be easy. No, it won't be pleasant to start with. It's like overeating. Ultimately, you have to give up the chocolate cake in order to lose the weight. But when you lose the weight, it's worth it, right? It's the same with our sin. It's the same with that one thing that's been ruining your life and the lives of the people around you up to this point because God has a mighty plan for your life. He really does. And to see that plan fulfilled, he needs you to be self-controlled, godly and loving. When those things increase in you, so will the fruit that you bear for his glory. I'd just like to remind you that if you have a prayer need, we would love to pray for you. Listen, the only sort of prayer that the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. Just let that sink in. The only sort of prayer that the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. So if you'd like us to pray with you, in fact, if you'd like our whole prayer community to pray with you, stop by online at powerfulprayer.org to share your prayer request. It's completely confidential. Your name won't be displayed. And in fact, while you're there, perhaps you could pray for one or two others and leave them an encouraging word as well. The Bible says that the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. So let us pray for you and with you And let's just see what God does, how He intervenes, how He chooses to bless you. That web address again is PowerfulPrayer.org. I'm Bernie Diamond. I'll catch you again same time Monday with a different perspective. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.